Welcome to See Things Differently, a podcast from Remix Summits in collaboration with our series partner, the UK government and Time Out. I'm your host, Peter Tullen, and your guide to the future of the creative economy. This podcast is for creatives who want to be creative entrepreneurs. We have entered the age of the creator and its big business. Creative entrepreneurs are driving whole new industries such as the immersive entertainment sector by taking advantage of shifts in the experience economy to build immersive worlds that have captivated millions of people. They're shaping the future of storytelling and unlocking the potential of emergent technologies such as VR and NFTs. They've driven the content revolution and creators will be central to the metaverse which the likes of Mark Zuckerberg are predicting will be the next evolution of the internet. And see things differently, we will share the stories of these pioneers. I believe creative entrepreneurs could offer some of the answers to how we can build back better from the global pandemic. In October 2021, the 2020 World Expo in Dubai finally opened following delays caused by the pandemic. The theme is very remix, connecting minds and creating the future. But the expo will also have three sub-themes, opportunity, mobility and sustainability. With the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference concentrating minds about the climate emergency, we wanted to focus on the third one, sustainability. Therefore, we are sharing a recent interview with John Ball, who is the director of Terra, the sustainability pavilion at the Expo 2020 Dubai. It's truly a science centre for the 21st century, which seeks to engage audiences to make them part of the solution, as well as to educate them on the unfolding catastrophe that humanity faces if we don't make rapid and dramatic changes going forward to limit the impact of climate change. He is also responsible for managing the post-expo transition of the pavilion into a permanent structure to continue this mission beyond the event itself. A UK expat, over a 20-year career, John has developed visitor experiences within many museums, including the London Transport Museum. He moved to the Middle East in 2011, where he focused on startup visitor experiences. He talks about the use of technology to create interactive and immersive experiences for audiences and he shares some challenging provocations regarding the future of museums in the course of our discussion. Um, I'm going to kind of get started and um, the first thing I want to ask really is, well, look, for for the uninitiated, tell us a little bit about Terra. Well, hi, Pete. Uh, thanks for inviting me here. Yeah, I'm talking to you from Terra today. I don't know if you can see behind me, but you can see the steel that holds up its enormous canopy just behind me. Um, and that's an integral part of the story and the purpose of this place. So Terra is one of the three thematic pavilions at Expo 2020 Dubai, which tell the world the stories that Expo has chosen to tell, that of mobility, opportunity and this one in particular talks about sustainability and by that we we mean humanity's relationship with the planet around us um, and this this building this attraction is designed to reach out to the many millions of visitors who come to expo um, to connect them with the world reconnect them with the world around them in the environment of a fantastic piece of net zero energy and water architecture to immerse them in a in a experience that they'll walk through that will hopefully if we've got it right touch their hearts change their way of seeing the world and inspire them to change it 
Yeah, I'll, I mean, just the, the very thought of millions of people kind of milling around together in itself is, is utterly thrilling. And look, you, you touched on the wider expo there and, and Terra's connection to it. And look, it'd be interesting just for a second, just to touch on the wider expo and some of the, the highlights and innovations, you know, given that really expos are often seen as something that are at the cutting edge of new visitor experiences. And that's obviously definitely something our, our audience are interested in. So yeah, maybe just go, go a bit broader for a second. Tell us what's going to be happening. Well, you're quite right, Pete. Expos have got this heritage of uh, bringing new stuff to the world, be it ketchup or the uh, ice cream waffle cone. Uh, they're a couple of our particular favourites. Um, but of course, it's also famous uh, for bringing fantastic architecture, new thinking, new, uh, new innovations like the X-ray, of course, and uh, applications of electricity. Um, here in here in 2020 uh, in Dubai, uh, uh, we, we're taking this focus on our theme of connecting minds and creating the future. So it's not one specific theme, uh, one tightly focused theme, like you might've seen, for example, at Milan on food. Here, instead it's broader and it's very much focused on how we collectively as humans work together to create uh, a new vision of the future, bringing the best from each of our experiences together to, to do that in a different way. So. The, the countries and the pavilions that you'll find in the sustainability zone of uh, Expo will obviously have that focus and they'll be talking about our energy futures, uh, for example, um, construction techniques from an environmental perspective, uh, a whole raft of topics, the uh, healthcare, education, um, finance even. Uh, but if you wander over into the mobility zone, you'll find a different focus either on uh, concepts of human mobility and uh, pushing ourselves forward, whether that's you know more, more traditional means of transport or actually more kind of um, uh, more abstract ideas, concepts of uh, movement of data and movement and even movement of goods. And in opportunity, uh, you'll find a focus around the sustainable development goals, uh, those global goals, how we can collaborate together to, to meet the needs of uh, our global population. Wow. So, yeah, absolutely kind of loads going on. Um, so, what, look, moving back a bit more into, into Terran, I'm kind of interested in that. I've heard it being talked about as almost a you know, kind of science center for, for the future or a, a museum of the future almost. And look, it's it's probably fair to say there's been a, you know, if I think about where museums, cultural institutions might be headed, and I think, often I think about like where the audience is headed, and it feels to me that there's definitely been a shift in audience trends towards, you know, more immersive or interactive experiences rather than, you know, perhaps more traditional uh, passive exhibition formats. And I, I wonder how Terra tackles this and, and, and perhaps how you see the future of storytelling unfolding in the context of museums more generally? Yeah, well, I guess I should start by saying Terra is not a museum. And uh, although we, we take from the museum sector as much, we take from the visitor attraction se sector and even both, uh, even theatre and, uh, and, you know, and visual storytelling through, through uh, other forms of media. And I think it's that, that merging of those different uh, sectors, those different methodologies, which are all often aimed at the same goal, but are doing uh, so far trod slightly different paths and with differing levels of success to different types of audience. I think emerging of those things is, uh, is, is the future and it actually is the now, as you'll see it in Terra, for example. And I think um, uh, I can only think that that's a good thing, having a, having a, a wider suite of tools to choose from, to pick the most appropriate for what you're doing. And here at Terra, with our focus on sustainability and 
humanity's relationship with the planet. What we felt in terms of building this place was what we didn't need was to tell one more fact because the information's widely available. It's freely accessible and people are getting very good at drilling into it themselves and understanding the media bias and cutting through to, uh, cutting through to information. So that kind of whole you know, um, museum as the trusted voice, as the, you know, as the guarantor of, of accuracy, I think that that's, that's under question in globally. And mm. to a certain extent, rightly, we, should, we are getting more used to questioning the sources of our information. Um, uh, and, and I think, so I think if that's not the angle that you're taking and, and actually that I uh, don't get me wrong, that integrity and the accuracy of the work that we do is the absolute, absolute bedrock of everything we've done here. And I think it should be, mm. but actually if you can then say, well, I've got the facts, that's not, that's not changing the world. We set out here with a clear ambition of changing the minds the actions, the thoughts, the way people see the world after they've been through terror. And one more object, one more fact is not going to do that. What mm. might do that is a story which touches their heart, which blows away uh, the cobwebs the, of their previous perceptions of how the world works and their place in it. Maybe we can only really do that through immersive experiences, whatever that means, or however we might choose to realize that. In that, you know, I think I think one of the things that we've aspired to here is delivering transformational experiences. And I think to transform people's way of seeing the world, you need to create a transformed world around them. Mm. And, to, and to just drill into that a bit more from, from a kind of a guest perspective or a visitor perspective, what, what, what would I experience as I kind of wander through Terra? How does how does that you know, eventuate? Yep. Well, I mean, the, the first thing you'll encounter is the fabulous architecture. Um, it, this building built to the highest environmental standards is just is built as a metaphor for what we can achieve when we try our best mm. uh, to do something fabulous yet touch lightly on the earth. So that, that is you're going to find beautiful grounds, 25,000 square meters of beautifully landscaped grounds with Emirati plants that we brought in from the desert, cultivated for the first time ever and grown them up to be lush and beautiful and not the weeds that they're often discussed. So we're right. painting a picture of a world which is a potential world which is locally rooted, vibrant, lush, unenjoyable, yet sustainable. And so, so within that environment, we've, we've crafted a story, as you hinted at, and... Um, it's important just to reference Expo. We're expecting visitors from every country in the world, pretty much, from every walk of life, kids, politicians, community leaders, artists, politicians, you name it. We're expecting them with different language uh, sets, different experiences, different views of the world. So it was important for us that we created something that just shouted out what it meant and didn't do that in a way that was overly subtle in a way that was instantly absorbable as you walk through it at a pace because you know there's a large number of people coming and I often yeah. describe our methodology for getting people through terror as one of it's more of a gentle push a gentle nudge rather than say a museum which is obviously looking to hold on to its visitors as long as it's can as they can um we, we will do that after expo not now so we crafted a fairy tale because I love fairy tales. I love Star Wars. Uh, you know, you, you, you picture it. 
the beautiful moon of Endor, the Ewoks running, running round, happily swinging from vine to vine. So we wanted to create that. Every fairy tale has it. You know, it's the candy canes, the little rainbows, the blind monkeys, the whole, the whole shebang. And the reason for that is a solid one in terms of storytelling. It's there because mm. it shows you you've got something beautiful. You've got something special. And we've crafted immersive environments that the visitors can walk through that show our real world in that mm. way, either in the forest where they'll walk underneath the forest or the ocean where they'll go into the depths of the ocean. And the fairy tale evolves. And of course, as soon as you come to love that place, you realize it's under threat. The death the arrival of the Death Star or the Big Bad Wolf, whatever you name it, that mm. guy's on the scene. And what we wanted to do here with our sensitive topic is not uh, make that villain abstract, because we wanted to show that actually you and I, all of us, each one of us is, is, is the villain in this piece of our relationship with the planet. Our choices, particularly through our consumption habits, are the biggest impact on the planet around us and therefore on our own lives as well. Um, so, so the visitors, they step out. There's this kind of there's this shock that we've attempted to build as you go from beauty, you turn a corner and say you've just walked through the ocean. You turn a corner and you just find yourself surrounded by masses and masses and masses of discarded single use plastic clogging up the gills of all the beautiful fish that we find there. Or you leave the forest and you hear it literally chopped down around you as you walk into a factory and you see how we're transforming natural resources mm. as we buy in our shop. Um, and that's, and that's, that's intentional. We want people to play a role. They're active. We want them to be participants, characters in the story, not just the observers of it. And throughout, we get them to, we engage them with the topics. We work with environmental psychologists to tease at their values and get them to express them to us and to feel that they really are part of this story. And that's particularly important in the last and third chapter of the story, um, which is, you know, I always describe it as the most expo a part of what terror is because it's about the world coming together for good. It's about hope. It's about the possibility that if we if we act upon our innate values, uh, if we do that across nations, across the globe, with the interest of all in mind, we, there's a really bright future. So that last gallery that we call the Lab of Future Values is packed full of case studies from around the world. That's, you know, that's where you could drill in and find out why, what the future of food is, um, what, what, how is, is human health related to environmental health? How do we provide diversity? How do we educate ourselves and those that are to come in a way to see the real value in the world around us. And it's kind of in that tone of hope, you know, we've, we've tried to create this kind of um, ski jump of a, of, a jaw, of, a, of a journey that starts on this enormous high, quickly dips to a, a, a scary low, frankly, scary low, but sends people out into Expo to see what Germany's got to say, what Australia's got to say, what the UK's got to say, what the UAE's got to say about the future in a, in a, in a feeling of, you know, not a cynicism of hope that we could do great things if uh, if we chose. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, I and mean, this is interesting for me because often if you've got something like climate change, for example, that they're seen by a lot of people as just big, massively complex issues that often are just too much of the individual just to comprehend or feel that they can make a difference. And as it it sounds like there's a combination of that big story element and then also the kind of practical take-homes for people in terms of individual behavioural change? Is that where you're trying to get to? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're spot on the money there, of course. Uh, there's this concept of eco-anxiety where, um, where we feel crushed when we, when we look at the enormity of the challenges facing us in our relationship with the environment. Uh, and I kind of uh, lump on top of that. One of the other things that we battled with is not wanting to be telling people off mm. uh, and not wanting to, and also not wanting to be boring, quite frankly. Um, because, you know, if you reduce this thing down to, but there's a risk either way. So if and it's just facts, then it's just that it's swamping, it's too much, it's too difficult. And you just, you know, how, uh, is an immersive experience the right place to kind of engage in that way? I don't know. But then the other side, if you make it too practical, please recycle your can here on the left. And when you go to a factory, they take it out. I mean, that it's frankly, we probably know that it's almost certainly boring uh, unless you bring it to life in a fantastic way. So we, we tried to tread a path between that that was at all times entertaining, unapologetically entertaining, I would say. Mm. Really happy that people enjoy the experience, even the scary stuff and the dark stuff and the like, like and the content rich stuff too. Um, so, so, so yeah, you're right. And that kind of agency is that, that action. That's, that's the Holy grail for me. That's what we really, really want from this. This is, I always, I try and describe this as kind of a fabulous theatrical set. It's the best set you'll ever see in the world, but actually the real play is taking place in the, in, in the conversations and the interactions between people and exhibits, between people and staff, between visitors and other members of their group. That's, that those conversations, we're trying to leverage those in the right way. We're trying to nudge them towards getting people to have the conversations that might change their mindset and might change their behaviours. Mm. Um, yeah, again, that's really interesting to me because it sounds like you've, um, you know, you've very, you've very much taken a position on a lot of these issues. And as again, as you said, you're not, you're not a museum. It's a, it's a, it's a different concept at an expo, but. If I go back to museums, like traditionally, often they have taken, as you say, this stance of, of, of neutrality. You know, they're impartial, providing both sides of the argument. But but I've, I've noticed, obviously, again, there's been a bit of a kind of shift there. You know, if you take, you know, the natural history museums very much taken a position on issues like climate change. I know, you know, where I'm based in Australia, uh, quite a number of the cultural institutions, you know, took a, a position um, uh, around the, the, the marriage equality, you know, uh, referendum that we had sort of recently. They just went out and said, look, this is our, our position and we're happy for history to judge us. And, you know, but we are actually going to take a stand on, on some of these issues. And how did you navigate that with something like climate change, you know, environment? Obviously, there, there are people that have opinions both ways on these things. Um, was that a big part of the discussion, you know, as you, as you planned what you were planning to do? Yeah, enormous, uh, not just because of the topic, but because of the fact that we're part of the World Expo and also because we're taking place here in the UAE. All these things kind of factored in there. I guess one thing I'd like to say before that is you know, I, don't, I don't believe in neutrality. It's, it's a myth. There is no such thing. Anything anyone says comes from the position that they find themselves in, as much as they might be trying honestly and, and, and well-intentionedly to be neutral. It's a nonsense in my mind. So if that's the case, and I firmly believe that that is the case, then then the only direction is to take take an opinion, isn't it? Um, because mm. you're doing that regardless. So at least it's better that you put your foot best foot forward, decide what your opinion is and decide what, what you're going to say. Now, I'm really lucky in that I'm in part of an organisation with really forward-looking and progressive attitudes in, in uh, Expo 2020 Dubai, We've been supported all the way up 
to the top of the organization to her excellency Remal Hashimi who heads up Expo 2020 to be bold to have something to say to not shy away from mm-hmm. fact of the matter and you know the the way we've pitched this to our global audience so we've pitched uh, the our environmental impact on the planet as a planetary issue and sometimes we talk about the global uh, the localized uh, realizations of that what that might what might be happening here in Dubai say in terms of consumption is one of the issues I mentioned there or um, but equally we look across uh, what's happening in Europe into you know uh, in terms of all the same issues effectively so mm. look I mean it's um expose expose not a place expose a place to have a conversation and you are not going to have a conversation if you've got nothing to say if you have don't have but, but also what I'll, I'll work really hard to make sure that we do over Expo here in Terra, and I know Expo will be doing as a whole, is to enable conversations that come from different angles. So, mm. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's dangerous to be too sure of yourself. I think it's, it's really a risky business. And as you said, history will uh, judge us. And, you know, not, uh, we, are, we are a product of our time and our product of our background and a product of our privilege. You know, that, that's what we are. Um, so, so it's important. It's incredibly important to me that I've got school kids from the UAE coming in and talking to politicians from uh, sub-Saharan Africa, or you know, or I've got, you know, I've got innovators coming in to talk about the future of this, while at the same time I've got indigenous groups uh, perhaps reflecting different perspectives. And you find those in our narrative here, and also we'll bring it out through the storytelling, uh, the programming that we deliver as well. So. So yes, yes, we've taken a stance, but I think it would have been impossible not to. I just wanted to take a few moments to talk about our latest remix collaborator, the UK government, who are the series partner for See Things Differently. To celebrate this link up over the next few episodes, we're going to be exploring the stories of a number of UK-based innovators. I'm also excited about this collaboration because the first ever Remix Summit took place in the UK in London back in 2014. 300 creatives gathered from sectors such as the arts and technology at Bloomberg's European headquarters in the heart of the city to explore the future of the creative industries, creative cities and the creative economy. Remix was designed to be a platform that would bring together creative thinkers from different industries to connect and develop new ideas. I believe that one way to spark innovation comes from the meeting of diverse minds. I think of these melting pots as the collision economy. They create an environment where you can see things differently. This collision effect is most powerful in locations where there is a large creative ecosystem and talent base in countries such as the UK. For example, did you know that the UK is ranked fourth in the world in the Global Innovation Index? There's over a hundred tech unicorns, that's companies with a valuation over a billion dollars in the UK, which was the third country to pass this milestone. It also ranks number three in terms of venture capital investment globally. If you're interested in finding out more about doing business in the UK, then visit Great gov.uk forward slash remix to find out more. Now back to the show. Uh, 
just wanted to sort of pick up on something you said about, you know, it seems that you're, you're kind of breaking the mold to a certain extent with what you're trying to, to do with Terra. And I, and I want to talk about how you, um, you know, you build a culture of innovation to enable, uh, you know, a project like that to happen. And I want to sort of take you back in time a little bit, kind of, first of all, because you mentioned the kind of, you know, the UAE, UAE and, and, and the kind of the culture there. Now, obviously, we've known each other for, for a long time. You know, you've obviously had a background uh, in places like the Science Museum, the, um, you know, the London Transport Museum. And you're now working in a, a very different place, a very different um, culture. And, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure to go to the UAE on a number of occasions. And, 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 and often people have sort of said to me, you know, the UAE is a place that prides itself on uh, on that bold thinking, as you talked about, on the pace of, of change, the speed at which they, they do things, because often they don't have precedence. So they just kind of get on and, um, you know, do things in, in, in a different way and don't um, don't accept perhaps some of those conventions that we've, we've talked about previously. And I'm interested on your reflection between, um, you know, how you build culture of innovation, first of all, but also that perhaps some of the, the, the differences between the, the culture within you know I, I guess the sort of cultural institutions that perhaps you've come from and, and where you find yourself now and what some of the learnings you know are, are, are interesting kind of in, in, in both of those environments yeah yeah massive I mean, question I, I know John yeah that's a, that's a, that is a big question um look yeah I well, look when I left London uh, 10 years ago I, I left London because there were 256 museums and what were the, and you know that and what were we doing? We were doing great stuff, and I'm proud of the yeah. stuff that I I was a part of. But we were you know we were doing we were retreading old ground. You move to the Middle East, to the Gulf, to uh, nations like the UAE. You see, you do feel a real positive um, sense of vibrancy of uh, of action. You know, uh, recently with the Hope Probe, uh, Mars going to the uh, probe going to Mars from the UAE, mm. you know, the big message that went out is, you know, Dubai, the UAE, this is the place where the impossible is possible. And um, and I certainly have felt that. Like, I've been here at Expo. I've had the privilege of being here four years now. Um, this in this building that I'm sitting in now back then was a literally desert. Um, in, now we have built a uh, and an, an institution for the future. And you know, what, one of the things that I really love about being here is about is the clarity of vision for the country and for those uh, initiatives like Expo that it supports. There's a very clear direction, a very clear focus on the skills uh, that they would like, say, young people to develop. A very clear vision of the of the future that they would that they are in the process of, of bringing into a reality. And that means that clarity of vision means that when you work on a project like Terra, you can directly see how you contribute to that, how you're in line with that, and how something is is adding. So, for example, Terra will live on beyond it, as will most of the sites. And Terra will be a science centre focused on sustain issues of sustainability, continuing to inspire. UAE Dubai knows that it's a crucial issue and it's incredibly important in a place often under um, environmental pressure such as here in the in the hot climate of the UAE so mm. and, and and you know what how how this place came became what it was was the, the decision of my boss Marjan Faridouni before just slightly before I started here uh, the initial plans for Terra were very much a conventional science center and mm. And thankfully, uh, due to, due to, you know, due to her, her 
her phenomenal leadership, really. She, you know, she could see that it wasn't what was needed. It wasn't what was going to change the world. It wasn't what was going to excite people. And it wasn't what's going to blow their minds and have them talking about the expo for the rest of the time. So, so we pieced together a new team, largely using exactly the same guys, but we, we brought them together from different perspectives. We built a team that was unconventional in nature. Um, and as client, we were there in part of that and driving it in different directions. And, you know, this inspiration that I talked about from theatre, from TV, from mm. uh, museums, of course, and other attractions, all came together in this mixing pot to just say, look, we really, really can do what we want. And I guess... We don't have the baggage of an enormous uh, centuries old collection sitting upon or even this or an institution with its associated bureaucracy and, you know, hierarchies. Here we just here we had well back then four years. Now we've got, I think we're down to 80 odd days, um, <laughs> a clarity of vision and, and a need to deliver. That's uh, that's, that's been exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, well, yeah, 80 days to go. I'm glad you've taken the time to, to chat to us. You must be the business man in show business, so to speak, right now. Um, so, uh, okay, well, look, we've covered a, a fair amount and, and probably really to sort of um, wrap up, there's, there's probably, I'd, I'd love to sort of pick your brains a bit more generally around, you know, where you see, you know, visitor attraction sort of museums headed. So, so you know, Remix very much is about, you know, looking at the, you know, the future of culture, the creative industries, um, you know, where audiences are headed, where different technologies are headed, and, and very much takes that cross-disciplinary approach that you talked about. So we absolutely love to have, you know, conversations where you're blending different worlds to come together to, you know, create something new. For me, that's where a lot of new ideas and innovation come from, exposing yourself to those, those different ideas, those different kind of thought processes. Um, so look, you, you're, you're, you're building something like that. You're seeing those things happening at the expo. You've done a, a number of different kind of roles, you know, within within this world. So yeah, just you know, maybe a couple of things in terms of where you see it all kind of headed. You know, predict the future, John. You know, predict the future. You know, if I had one wish, like this isn't the future. This isn't what I predict will happen. If I had one wish, it would be that in, institutions like museums become more focused on the change they want to deliver outwards rather than focused upon their inward goals. I've often felt uh, that we, we and collectively I'm in that, we can be a bit navel-gazy and self-important, but actually uh, it's my, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for museums with opinions. I'm a huge advocate for museums and attractions uh, with a stance. Um, and uh, and I, I think I always will be because what better way have what better resources than the artifacts of the past and the worlds that we can create through digital and, and other means have we got the, to show other worlds? And what we need to do is show these other worlds of the past of the future. We need to realize them in ways that, that you know, that, that touch people's hearts and heads and my, you know, and, and what, what I really hope is that we, um, is that we utilize the resources at our disposal in ways that best affect our audiences. And actually, you know what, I can't predict the future because I don't think there's enough research out there. So that's a big thing for me. Mm. What I want to see in the, coming, in, in the coming years is more research into new methods of engaging. So for example, here at Terra, I'm working with uh, two, two universities, um, University of Dubai based here in, uh, University of Birmingham based here in Dubai, uh, the European Center for Environmental and Human Health in Exeter to see mm. what's working in Terra. Because 
I just, it's a big experiment. It's a, it could go wrong. It could, it could be a disaster. So, but I want to know, I'm hoping it's not. And we've had loads of people through already who, you know, who said it's going to change their behaviors, but I want to know, I want to see do those stressful environments. Do they, do, you know, do people get stressed and then does that lead to action? Is there a correlation the, you know, what's working, what's not working? How can we do that? So, so I think, I think the key to a successful future is a, a focus a clear focus on a mission which is outward focused rather than inward focused and secondly a gathering of data across these multiple technologies and uh, implementations to to learn and to share great and um, another question sort of pops in my head actually while you're talking about that and if i think of um perhaps where there could be um greater focus for sort of cultural institutions and it is which i think is happening in other parts of the i guess the entertainment economies but if i look at you know visitor journeys you talk about you know visitors and what you want to achieve and and often it feels to me very much things are still focused around that sort of physical visit whereas if i look at say a company like you know disney you know that you know they're very much interested in the visitor before they arrive as well as they arrive and kind of after they arrive and i wonder what kind of thinking and planning you did um around that you know um because it feels to me it's, it's it's not just about the moment where you go to kind of expo and, and i guess the other thing of course as well as we're, we're living in a very strange and weird world right now how else do people engage with this that you know physically i would i would love to go but you know the australian borders are probably shut for at least the next year you know so <laughs> that may or may not be possible but who like literally who knows at, at the moment so i'd love to know a bit of your thinking in those areas yeah, quite. Um, some some of that is emerging right now. Her Excellency Rima Hashmi has declared that uh, Expo will offer a huge layer of a virtual Expo. So there will be opportunities to visit the pavilion um, in some formats uh, digitally. I think you're going to have to watch. You're going to have to watch the news uh, to see exactly what format that's going to take. But I okay. firmly believe it's going to be something phenomenal and worth. Uh, worth you checking in on. Um, one other aspect of that visitor journey that we concentrate on that I can that I can kind of uh, talk a little bit more about is like is is um, is how we see it from kind of um, in terms of terror anyway from uh, as a complete journey. So one of the things that I've always been adamant to hear about is that if you go into the cafe at terror or you go into the shop at terror or you go into the bathrooms actually at terror or whatever you're going to see that that entire journey speaks to our messages. You're going to find in the shop products that we have handpicked from around the world, which are different to the rest of Expo, but they tell a story of a sustainable and bright future. They show how you mm. can create the world through your purchases. You go into the cafe, you're going to find uh, you're going to find a narrative in there which extends out. You know, the forest extends out into the, into the cafe as you sit down, and you're going to find out why, for example, I don't know, plant-based foods. Such a such a growing phenomenon. What's the impact of uh, of far agriculture on the on the on 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 our planet and us? Um, I don't know. You're going to see you're going to see the guys walking past. I don't know, cleaning the railing, and you're going to see that they're using sprays which are environmentally certified. The uniform is going to be made appropriately. But, but actually, I think that that's also that that entire length of journey um, from foot uh, all the way through the experience is very important to me as well. Fantastic. Um, look, that's that's really great. It, for, for, from my side, the, the formal questions have, uh, are done. But look, is, is there anything else you want to cover that, you know, you, you've missed, you want to say about Terra and the Expo? And 
No, just to make a, a, a genuine, heartfelt plea for everyone to come out and, and visit me and come and like, come and keep me company, hang out with um, any any visitors who'll be here. It's, look, there's, a, there's over 190 countries here, so terror is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, Expo's also curated two other thematic pavilions. There's the UAE pavilion. There's, you know, there's, 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 I firmly believe, and this isn't just me saying it because I work here and they, they pay my wages, uh, it, it's going to be a, a truly mind-blowing experience, which is absolutely perfectly timed for a time when the world really does need to be envisaging new futures and really does need to see that we've got to come together to do that. So, look, help us, help us make Expo that by bringing your presence here and, you know, and, and playing a part in that. Well, look, thanks so much for your, your time, John, which is, is obviously under huge pressure at the moment. I think you've got to go and finish and open a pavilion. So we'll, we'll let you go. And thanks for um, for joining us. And look, and I'm sure our audience will uh, engage in, in some way, whether that's in person or virtual. So, yeah, thanks again. Cheers. All right, Pete. It's a pleasure talking to you. So thanks for staying with us. And that's a wrap for this episode. Another great guest will follow in our next edition. I'm Peter Tullen, and if you like what you hear, there are literally hundreds more talks from Remix events all around the globe at remixsummits.com. And as mentioned, many of them are free. If you want to support Remix, then you can subscribe to access all of our latest and upcoming talks from Remix events. And if you're in Australia, our next Remix Summit takes place in Sydney on the 8th to 9th of March. Thanks for joining us.